0: He was one of the most notorious serial killers of all time. And this would be the day the citizens of East Los Angeles would fight back. If you enjoyed today's episode on the capture of Richard Ramirez and want to hear more true crime events from each date in history, subscribe to Today in True Crime. Episodes released daily, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today is Monday, August 31st, 2020. On this day in 1985, serial killer Richard Ramirez was chased down by a mob of angry Los Angelinos and caught by police. Known as the Night Stalker, Ramirez was a notorious rapist and murderer who terrorized California for more than a year before his capture. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the capture of Richard Ramirez, AKA the Night Stalker. Now let's go back to Saturday, August 31st, 1985, on the California-Arizona border. It was early in the morning, before 6 a.m., when the thunderstorm started. 25-year-old Richard Ramirez was sitting near the back of a bus bound for Los Angeles. He stared out the window, watching black clouds roll across the landscape. Every time lightning struck, his own gaunt reflection appeared in the glass. He watched himself shudder with every flash. Ramirez was raised a Catholic. To him, that lightning was from heaven. It scared him, as if Jesus was angry at him for what he'd done. And Ramirez had done plenty. He started off as a simple burglar, but a growing cocaine habit forced him to widen his scope. He'd case a joint first, hide somewhere at night, in a tree or behind a fence, and watch his victims for a while. When he was sure they were asleep, He'd creep in and take what he could. That's all it was at first. But one night, while he was coming off a high, he murdered an old lady and raped her. From that point forward, he wasn't just burglarizing. He was killing, too. It didn't matter who or how. He murdered little kids, and he murdered retirees, men and women. He stabbed them, strangled them beat them. Then he raped the females. Sometimes he carved pentagrams into their bodies or left other satanic symbols around the house. He'd always felt a sort of communion with the devil. Despite his Catholic upbringing, he was a self-described Satanist, so the fact that God would be angry at him wasn't a surprise. But as Ramirez listened to the thunder rumble across the desert, he felt a heavy sinking feeling in his gut. Something was wrong. He knew it. He knew they were coming for him. It was around 7:45 a.m. when the bus pulled into downtown LA. The morning was hot and humid, a balmy 95 degrees. Southern California saw record-breaking heat that summer, and Ramirez wasn't dressed for the weather. He was wearing all black, black pants and a black T-shirt with the Jack Daniels logo emblazoned across the chest. Perhaps he would have dressed differently if he knew he'd be spending the day running for his life. As he stepped off the bus, he soon found a gaggle of cops waiting inside the terminal. But luckily for Ramirez, none of them saw him enter the station. What he didn't know was that those officers were part of a task force assigned to track him down. They'd stationed themselves at the outgoing terminal, assuming Ramirez would attempt to skip town. No one suspected he'd be coming back. With the officers surveilling the wrong side of the depot, Ramirez slipped out of the building and headed to a nearby corner store. He was buying himself a coffee when he noticed an elderly woman staring at him with a look of fear on her face. Then he heard her say in Spanish, El Matador. She was saying the killer. Suddenly Ramirez spotted a rack of newspapers. His own face was staring back at him from the front page. Terror and adrenaline flooded his body. Then Ramirez ran. He sprinted out of the store and into the streets, but the shop owner had already dialed the police. Within moments, he heard sirens. Knowing he wasn't safe running out in the open, he caught a city bus. But as he took his seat, he noticed the passengers staring at him. They whispered and pointed. Everyone seemed to recognize him. Ramirez rushed off the bus at the next stop and sprinted down the street. He had to find a car. If he had wheels, he could cross the border and disappear. After running over two miles, he spotted a woman sitting alone in her sedan. He ran toward it, yelling for her to get out. When she refused, he pulled her into the street screaming. Neighbors emerged from their homes and came to her aid. Ramirez threatened them, claiming he had a gun, but the locals surrounded him anyway. Then the woman's husband ran outside with a steel pipe. He slammed the metal down on Ramirez's head, sending him running, but the people followed. They chased him down alleyways and through backyards, yelling, ''El matador, el matador!'' Soon, an entire mob of East L.A. locals was hot on his heels. After a few blocks, they chased him down. Another blow to the head sent Ramirez tumbling to the pavement, blood running down his neck. As they closed in, he begged them to let him go, but they knew better. He was the killer. The Night Stalker. He tortured and murdered children and the elderly. And now that they had him, he was going to get what he deserved. Coming up, Richard Ramirez faces retribution for his twisted crimes. Now, back to the story. On August 31st, 1985... 25-year-old serial killer Richard Ramirez, aka the Night Stalker, returned to Los Angeles only to discover that the entire city knew his identity. He tried to flee, but a mob of East Los Angelinos chased him down, and they were intent on ensuring he paid for his crimes. As the mob of angry neighbors circled, Ramirez lay cowering on the pavement, drenched in blood and sweat. He pleaded with them again to let him go. They threatened that if he moved, they'd beat him senseless. The police came before they had the chance. As soon as they arrived on the scene, Ramirez was searched and handcuffed. Then he was treated by paramedics who bandaged his head wounds. By the time officers escorted him to the squad car, they were fielding a growing mob of hundreds, all clamoring for a piece of the Night Stalker. Cries of, get him, and shoot him, echoed from the crowd. Officers realized they had to get Ramirez out of there and fast, or else the mob of angry Los Angelinos would take justice into their own hands. Ramirez was transferred to the local police station. He seemed ready to accept his fate. He told LAPD Sergeant George Thomas... I did it, you know. You guys got me, the Night Stalker. Hey, let me have a gun to play Russian roulette. I'd rather die than spend the rest of my life in prison. But as soon as detectives arrived to question him, Ramirez stopped talking. But he didn't need to say anything. The evidence spoke for him. After taking his fingerprints, police matched them with prints from a car spotted driving away from a previous murder scene. Then, back at the bus station, they discovered a bag Ramirez left full of guns and ammunition. By that night, they had enough evidence to charge him with murder. As the news of his arrest spread through L.A., crowds flooded the streets outside the police station. Everyone wanted to get a look at the man who'd haunted California for so long. And soon, Ramirez took advantage of their curiosity. Months later at his trial, Ramirez turned the proceedings into a macabre circus. He wore sunglasses in court, drew pentagrams on his palms, and frequently mentioned Satan. After years in the shadows, he reveled in the attention his crimes gave him. When he was convicted on 13 counts of murder, he shouted to the jury, You make me sick! I will be avenged. Lucifer dwells within all of us. Then, once the judge announced his death sentence, he nonchalantly replied, Big deal. Death always went with the territory. See you in Disneyland. But Ramirez never met his end at the hands of an executioner. Though he remained on death row for more than two decades, it would be lymphoma, not the electric chair, that did him in. He was 53 years old. It was a last act of twisted irony. Despite the horrifying deaths he dealt to over a dozen victims, the end of his life was quiet, discreet, and perfectly boring. But perhaps for Richard Ramirez, there was no crueler punishment. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out ParCast Original, Serial Killers. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Alex Garland, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson.